welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Laurie and Tina and Brian and Drew and Oscar and Scotty. Good to have you guys. We'll be talking about the 19th verse of the Tao Te Ching today, how it relates to our recovery. Not looking at any notes from the times we've looked at this before, at least once or twice, I'm sure. We want to talk about how it's relating today. Oscar and I talked before the the meeting. He mentioned how much he was enjoying the Michael Singer podcast. I do want to mention that again. That's a really good, uh, in my opinion, a very good podcast. I've gone back to the very first of his episodes and started listening and will probably listen to multiple times. I think it's just called the Michael Singer podcast. Pretty easy to find. Any announcements, go to buddyc.org. Lots of recovery-related resources there. If it's your first time to the podcast, we're a bunch of addicts in some form. Uh, most of us alcoholics, other addictions here as well. And we talk about how the Tao Te Ching has helped with us learning how to surrender. Um, if, if you go to 12-step recovery, which I think most of us do, or at least prescribe to, um, one of the first things that I saw was this higher power business, which I automatically at first meant to mean the God that, that I grew up believing in. And what I've realized for me, the program is not about what I believe. It's about being able to surrender. So whatever it takes for me to surrender is what it takes. If it takes me believing in whatever God, that's wonderful. But I have learned that I can surrender if I just take action. And that action for me is thinking of you instead of me. That's why You'll see in 12-step recovery that they talk a lot about helping others and that even to the extent that when all else fails, working with another alcoholic can save the day. I did not quite understand what that meant until I started realizing that I see us all as one big body. And if you think about a metaphorical hand that's part of the body, and this hand had a little bit of consciousness. And this hand said, I'm hungry. I, I need to eat. How in the world is this hand going to feed itself? It can't. If you just took the hand, it cannot feed itself. There's no way. The hand has to feed the mouth. And then the food goes through the body and then ends up nourishing the hand. And I think it's the same way. I am incapable by myself um, Receiving what I need or seeking out what I need. I have to be open to helping others. And in, through helping others, I'm feeding the mouth, which feeds me. So that's the simplest way I've learned to uh, somewhat grasp what that means. 
But today we'll be talking about the 19th verse of the Tao Te Ching. Go to buddyc.org if you want to look at any resources. that We have a lot of things there. There's a resources tab with a lot of, of good recovery podcasts and online meetings and other resources there. Also have a daily meditation that I do that's based on Taoist thought that I'm writing. I've got a sign up on the webpage for that that's free. It's helping keeping me accountable. So I'll continue to write, getting some good feedback from those. Have a number of people who get them. So you're welcome to uh, sign up for that as well. That mailing list stays private. I don't sell that to anyone or do any other marketing with that in any way. So you guys can take can benefit from that if you so desire. Let's talk about let's move on to the 19th verse of the Tao Te Ching. Who would like to read a uh, version for us today? Hey, buddy, I'll start out with the Jeff Pepper in clear okay. English before we get too deep. <laughs> sure. It says renounce holiness, abandon cleverness. And the people will benefit a hundredfold. Renounce morality, abandon ethics, and the people return to being kind and devoted children. Renounce cleverness, abandon profit, and thieves won't exist. These three make a civil society, but it isn't enough. So let people believe in these. Maintain simplicity. Embrace plainlessness. Less selfishness, fewer desires. Thank you, Brian. Anyone else? Any comments on that, Brian? For me, I what stands out to me is maintain simplicity, embrace plainness, less selfishness, fewer desires. Speaks to that emptiness. Yes. Yes. Surrender. Yes. Stephen Mitchell. His translation, and I know we want to talk about this first line, come back to it. Throw away holiness and wisdom, and people will be a hundred times happier. Throw away morality and justice, oh my God, and people will do the right thing. Throw away industry and profit, and there won't be any thieves. If these three aren't enough, just stay at the center of the circle and let all things take their course. Oscar, how about reading the Jonathan Starr for us? Do you have it in front of you? Yeah. Abandon holiness, discard cleverness, and the hope will benefit a hundredfold. Abandon the rules of kindness, discard righteous actions. And the people will return to their own natural afflictions. Abandon book learning. Discard the rules of behavior. And the people will have no worries. Abandon plots and schemes. Discard profit-seeking. And the people will not become thieves. These lessons are mere elaborations. The essence of my teachings is this. See with original purity, embrace with original simplicity, reduce what you have, decrease what you want. Thank you, sir. Lori? I like the whole theme of don't study ahead. I dig it. So I'm reading this as 
from that Ralph Allen Dale again. I love it. Banish the intellectual, discard knowledge. We will all benefit a hundredfold. Eliminate all institutions of charity and justice. We can then return to our natural love for each other. Let everyone be released from our addictions to shrewdness and profit. Then thievery will disappear. These three negate the great integrity, but to negate these negations is insufficient. Three affirmations are also necessary. The first is to embrace simplicity and integrity. The second is to consume only the needs of our body and soul. The third is to allow our love and concern for others to define our essentiality. I just think of the big book, the section that talks about abandoning self-knowledge. That was a real shocker for me. I'm not going to be able to figure it out. Make it happen. So this idea of abandoning the idea that I can, through some seminar, (laughs) get it all figured out. Work harder, do better, Lori. That's all you've got to do, double down. (laughs) Exactly. Your goal's not high enough. I'm not praying hard enough, you know. That's it. So this is uh, brilliant. Love it. How do you pray harder anyway? I haven't figured that one out yet, but. Just more. Just broken. It's all about more and more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What do y'all think about that? And what this is doing is pointing us to powerlessness, I think. I think Brian mentioned, and it's really, if you look at how it's written, the first, the three different teachings, the three different instructions that are giving there are all talking about in some way, I think, guidelines and forms that are put on us to tell us how to, they're all how to's when we can live it's like the pendulum again. All these how-tos are down here on this good and bad, right and wrong, moral and justice and all these things. And we're able to live above that pendulum and not have those swings. How about throwing away holiness and wisdom? Oh, my God, that sounds so awful, doesn't it? Think about it with those words. Or give up sainthood, renounce wisdom. That's the guy Fu Fang. Forget about knowledge and wisdom. Get rid of sanctity. What in the Jonathan Starr in the make up your own translation, <laughs> that word for uh, holiness could mean spiritual pride, a holier than thou attitude. It could also mean holy ones and holy and being a sage, but it could also mean those other things. So I think it's more, there's a Bible reference to that. They had a form of godliness, but denied the power thereof. It's about having that form. And then the wisdom side would be more the knowledge side. And this says that it would be cleverness, strategies, giving up those, giving up that cleverness. The wisdom would mean giving up the cleverness too. When I came in recovery, I had to set all those things aside. I had to set aside what I thought everything was. 
and I had to just look at life from a new view through a new pair of glasses. I had to look at everything different. And basically what I had to do was stop trying to figure this thing out and just open my heart to the examples of recovery that I was seeing in front of me and start looking at other people's experience, their strength and their hope, instead of me thinking it was something I had to create or make happen. And I think that's moving from, and all three of these instructions are moving from this form, I think, and move, a form that is imposing on you how to behave and what to think to being open to experience, being open to what is working for others, which has uh, no restrictions. Isn't that what we find in recovery? We're told when we come into recovery that uh, most of the time, most folks that come in are told if they come go to 12 step that you're going to need to find a God of your own understanding. First thing I heard preached at me was that, but we're not going to tell you what it is. When any church I ever went to, the first thing they did was they told you what God was. They had it up on the wall or had it in their mission statement or whatever, somewhere. They had exactly what they believed, the, their creed. You had to you had to swear in blood that this is what you were going to believe, right? This was your belief to be part of that church. I'm not making fun of that. It's just really the way it works. But when I came into AA, it was almost the opposite. It was, okay, you've got to come up with uh, a belief. Our experience is we can't be sober unless we have a God in our life of some type. The group that I got sober with, that was what they told me. And most AA, did anyone hear anything different than that when they came in? If they went to AA, that's what I heard. And most of AA, that's what you hear. Don't let that offend you if you don't have a God belief. Just stay with. And so I was told, you got to believe something. We're just not going to tell you what it is. You figure that out for yourself. I'm like, what? So I don't have to say I believe a particular thing? No, nothing. Oscar? Yeah, the nice thing in this verse is that, that actually the word Tao is not in it. So uh, it's all very practical, actually. Like you said, like it's a how-to. But in a way, if you would seriously look at this, instructions and follow them i think automatically it will bring you closer to whatever higher power you have it's impossible to miss it if you would seriously follow and let go of all your holiness and your fake things and your cleverness and and your morals and your rules of kindness and your formulas oscar all your formulas yeah you let it all go you let it all go and if you're still not there then you just keep it very simple you embrace your simplicity and don't follow the desires just let your desires go if you follow this you probably will lose all your fears and come out with love which is pretty close to a high power so it's a kind of nice, yeah, nice, nice, lovely instructions, practical instructions 
to connect with a higher power, whatever higher power you have. Thanks. Thanks, Oscar. Actually, what this may be doing is showing us the things we have to surrender that we hide in that keep us from the simplicity. Uh, and part of this star commentary says that all these things are superficial and they're not enough. They're not enough. And what we have to do is get past the superficiality because I can hide in form. I can hide in the formulas. I can hide in the cleverness, all those things. I can hide in morality if I want to. I can hide in profit. Drew? Yeah. <clears throat> I think one thing I'm getting out of this is not to separate things and not to judge. Not to view things as worthy of being holy, things worthy of not being holy, things worthy of being good, things that are bad. Not focusing so much on does this person fit into this group? Does this person act the way I want them to? Are my actions what I want them to be? Just overthinking things, judging things like that. I know from my personal experience, that's what gets me into just self-isolation is living inside my head, looking at things, separating them. Does this fall into that group? Does this fall into that group? How do I treat this person since they act this way? How do I treat that person since they act that way? Rather than just being with people as they are in the moment. And that's, for me, pretty much my whole life. Uh, those are the times when I'm least caught up in my addictive behaviors is when I am just connecting with people as they are, rather than being inside my own head when I am with people or when I'm not, either judging myself, judging others. So, so that's one thing I'm taking away from this is not to impose my views of morality, justice, holiness, wisdom, cleverness, all of that on other people. And one line that struck me from Lori's translation was doing away with charities. That just, why would we want to do that? And my initial thought about that was I can, I can see somebody who's in need and think, oh, there are plenty of charities who can help that person out. I don't need to help them. They have plenty of resources. I have no idea if that's what that was getting at, but that was just my thought on it is I, I can do away with the notion that somebody who needs help has plenty of resources that they can, that they can go get. I don't need to help them. I, I have no idea if that's what that was getting at, but that was just what popped into my mind. Thanks. Thanks, Drew. I think that doing away with charities for me was similar to what you're talking about, Drew, that it goes back to our motives as to why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, am I helping a charity because it's the moral thing to do? Or can I move to the center and just help because it's what I want to do? 
not what I should do. It's moving from that need to do to want to do as well, I think, or that doing because I'm imposed upon to doing from a foundation. It's moving more from that foundation of fear to that foundation of love that my, that my actions come from a different foundation. If you notice morality and justice, I can for sure see a fear base there and maybe a fear base in the holiness and wisdom. A lot of my prior beliefs were because I was afraid of going to hell. It was a fear-based belief. So moving from a fear-based belief to a love-based belief, moving from fear-based motivations to love-based motivations. It doesn't and it says throw away industry and profit and there won't be any thieves. A lot of times it's the thieves that are active in the industry and profit. I don't think it means what we could take it to mean with any of these. You know, I think it goes back to why we're doing what we're doing. Lori? I don't know if I'm going to be able to express this, but I agree with Drew and his idea. I Comments about judgment. And for me, judgment comes from fear. It comes from habit, from culture, and from ego. And I go back to looking good and being right. I've got to come from somewhere. So whether it's charity or justice, I'm judging that, that person needs charity. I'm judging that, that person needs justice. They may be fine. They may be totally fine. So releasing all the past attachments to being right and looking good includes the ego for me and judgments, huge part of that. So that's where I get from this. It doesn't matter which side of the spectrum you're on. You're judging either way. And the freedom is in just letting go of all of that and uh, observing, surrendering to higher power, to just observing without judgment. That's accept, accepting. Yeah. That's all. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Scotty. Hey, everybody. Great stuff today. Page 164 of the big book tells me to abandon myself to God as I understand God. And I feel like this verse is giving me instructions on how to do that. Just like Lori just said, it's for me, it's about abandoning the attachment, the need to feel holiness, the need to be spiritual, discarding cleverness, discarding the attachments I have to having things figured out, the need to do the right thing, the need to have a good job, the need to have a bunch of zeros in my bank account. It, for me, this is all about letting things go clearing out space, getting rid of things, abandoning myself, which means just crushing my ego and creating space, cultivating that emptiness. So the only thing left to do is embrace the Tao. And then from there, I'll have that fullness that I think I need comes from that for me. So it's just, for me, it's about just more about surrendering things and attachments and Clearing out space, getting rid of stuff rather than gaining things. Thanks, Scotty. 
the steps talk about our relationship to the higher power as being how we understand the higher power, not how we're told to understand it, not how our mama understood it, not even how the person in recovery that we want what they have understands it, how we understand it. And my understanding, I don't know anyone who has the exact same understanding as someone else. Do you? Have you ever, when you talk about those things, nothing's ever exactly the same. It's all very unique. My sponsor and I definitely do not have the same higher power, uh, say, beliefs. This is the thing. If you look at that, those first three, the instructions, um, I don't stop seeking God or finding a spiritual way of life if I have these restrictions taking off of me. I heard Rob Bell say an interesting thing. He said, if let's say you have three beliefs that are foundational spiritual beliefs for you, foundational beliefs. And he was talking about it in terms of being a Christian. He, and he was saying, let's say you believe in the virgin birth. You believe that Jesus was the son of God and that he was raised from the dead. Let's say, let's say that's your three foundational beliefs as a Christian. For a lot of Christians, that are that is their three foundational, some of their foundational beliefs. He says, what if you found out one of those was absolutely false? What if you found out? That Jesus really was not born of a virgin, of a virgin, and that his father was a Roman soldier. I forgot the guy's name, but they got a guy that they say was the father of, of Jesus, a Roman soldier that that they believe is the father. Uh, what if you found out that was absolutely true? Would you still have a belief? And then he said, "What if you found out?" that Jesus was crucified, but he really didn't die when he was crucified, that he wasn't raised on the third day, that he went back to Kashmir and preached the rest of his life where there's a tomb for Jesus there in Kashmir, where they say he came back and lived with Mary Magdalene and lived out the rest of his life and died there. What if you found out that was really true? Would you still, would it totally destroy your God belief. And I pose this question to my Christian friends thinking they would just go ballistic on me about this, but they liked it. And I was was like, Mikey, I was really surprised that they liked it. And they brought it up two or three times. At one point, I would say it would have destroyed my, if I would have found something was not the way that I believed it to be. And I think that this is telling us to take these guards off. It's okay. What we're really after is not what I'm saying is that the whole point is not that we solidify a belief that we are 100% totally, absolutely convinced is right, but that we learn to live, as this says, in the center. And the way I do that is learning to let love have its way in my life. If I let love have its way, all the rest of this takes care of itself. 
Brian? Yeah, I was just sitting here thinking. I grew up in my religious background. I can remember them referring to the to the church as as the church, and it was like this: our way is the only way. And by the way, if you're not good enough, you're going to burn in hell. And and those folks that are across the street, they have a guitar on Sunday, so they're going to burn in hell. And and that I grew up with emotional and physical abuse from the church. And for so long, I was so freaking angry at any kind of organized religion deep down. And I used my ego and that anger to protect me from harm. But I, I like what I guess we can cross talk in this meeting. <laughs> what what Laurie said and what you said, because I was thinking about the freedom is in the middle. For me to say what I don't know, and it's a whole lot bigger than me. And uh, yeah, this man, this is why I, I show up every week for this stuff. So thanks, thank you, Brian. Yeah, the freedom is in the middle, Tina. Yeah, the when I think about that freedom. And I think about all the stuff on the outside where it's the power struggles and it's the, but I like how you said being a chameleon in hiding in profit, hiding in morality, because I've hidden a lot of stuff and it's easy to to do that. Um, Especially for people like addicts who know how to get what they want and they know how to be slick about it. And it's a survival mechanism. So it's ingrained in me. When I think about all of those things, I think about my addiction and doing away with it, but replacing it with other things. And I, if I'm not careful, I could replace it with, oh, let me help you. And because even though I might come from a good place, it still creates that, it still creates separation. When I think about the charities, Drew, I was with you on that. But also I come from, I'm, I am Native American, Indigenous, First Nation. And I've seen a lot of the government assistance programs not work. So that's the first thing that came to mind. And that's a whole other thing. But it's, it hasn't been working for a long time. So I can see where they would want to take out, or I can see where that would be. A, a clear point, but I have to be careful with switching my addictions. And I think my life is, is I'm always, it's either approval, eating, shopping, sugar. There's a lot of stuff that I can become addicted to. And some I'm embarrassed to even say, cause I noticed I stopped my list because maybe those are things I don't even want to think about, but I should continue it on my notes. Thanks for letting me share that. Thanks, Tina. Yeah, we can turn anything into alcohol. I heard that in a meeting. And it's not the fact. Uh, this is a good example of what you're talking about, Drew, about the charities. It's not that we should not be generous, but we should not be generous so that we can see that we are feel good about us giving to a charity. 
we're generous because we want, we truly want to be generous. That's different. And if I want to be generous, someone will be placed in my path for me to help. I think I told the story not long ago. I'll tell it again. I was doing a coast to coast motorcycle thing, iron butt, uh, Jacksonville to San Diego, back to Jacksonville in less than a hundred hours. So I was on the road constant for four days Um, and I was on my way out and I stopped to get gas. I don't know how many, every 200 miles on my motorcycle. And I, I was on my way back. So I had already stopped who knows how many times to fuel up. And I just said, I said, no one's been placed in my path for me to help. I want to help somebody. Give me somebody to help. I haven't done anything generous while I've been on this very egotistical trip. (laughs) And the very next time I stopped, not three times later, I didn't have to go hunt someone down. I was pulled up to fill up with gas. And I stay at a gas station about three to five minutes. I don't go in. I stop it rest areas to use a bathroom. I don't even go into service stations at all because it's a time suck because you got to stay on it. If you're going to make this work, I pulled up, I was somewhere out in New Mexico, West Texas somewhere. And I pulled up to fill up and a lady pulled up beside me and she got out of the car and started crying. And she said, I just left Walmart and I'm miles from home and I forgot to save money for gas. I didn't know I was, she didn't have credit cards. She was dealing with ga- cash. So I put $40 of gas in her car. The very next time I've stopped and I was like, life just is not coincidence. If I'm available, if I'm available and I want to be used, situations will show themselves. Me saying, oh, there's I try to help. There's no all that poor mouthing that I hear sometimes. I know y'all hear it too. I think, no, if you go with an open heart, my experience is if I'm available, people show up. That's all I have to do is be available. And I think that's moving to the center because all of these other things are pushing us out to effort and control in some form. So the whole goal is to let go of all of that, to be just open and present, and then life can take its course. It says that. Let all things take their course. In Mitchell's translation, if these three aren't enough, just stay in the center. If it's not enough for you to figure it out from those three (laughs) examples, then just stay in the center of the circle and let all things take their course. Or as Star said it, which I really liked, these lessons are mere elaborations. The essence of my teaching is this. See the original purity. Embrace with original simplicity. Reduce what you have. Decrease what you want. See with original purity would be probably referring back to Abandoning holiness and discarding cleverness. Embrace with original simplicity, maybe abandoning the rules of kindness and righteous actions. Reduce what you have may have to do with plots and schemes and profit, and then decreasing what you want. Oscar? 
Yeah, I was thinking, I was listening to you and by the sentence about being in the circle and simplicity and embracing it, I got overwhelmed because so many times I don't see the beauty of all this, the extreme beauty of life and extreme beauty of the world. It's so amazing and uh, and in addiction i didn't see anything of this and i was so dark and thanks to 12 steps and cocaine anonymous or i i i got back my life and now i have this possibility to just sit down in the middle of it and watch around and seeing it unfold or happening it's just all happening but then the appreciation comes and I can really appreciate the extreme beauty of it. It's really overwhelming. Yeah, thanks. That's that's it. (laughs) Thank you, Oscar. This is really about, for me, just letting go in all areas, stopping the idea that I have to figure it out. Because, see, you could apply all three of these restrictions to anything in life. You could apply it to any behavior. You could apply it to a job, any business. I had my son asked me one time what I thought of God, how I believed in God. And I said, I quit trying to figure God out. All I know is when I treat people kindly, my life is better. He said, that's too simple. <laughs> he was star student, and super smart. He said, that's way too simple. That, that just cannot work. I said, why not? I said, don't you think as if God is love, a verb, love, not a noun, person. First John says God is love. Not that God loves, but God is love. Then if we spend our time being open to all the ways we can love. Maybe just take that word out and look at all the other ways that you could, all the things that means, you know, being considerate when we drive, not taking the best parking place, not scooting early in Walmart to try to beat the person over to the line so you can check out first. (laughs) All those things, little things that we do, filling up the dishwasher, far significant other when they leave all their dishes in the sink it pisses us off okay all those little things that we can do and not teach everyone lessons all the time because they need to do things another way that's the rules see (laughs) we can that's moving me to the center i'm not taking sides in the center I'm not taking sides. I'm just there. Yeah. Like McDonald says, embrace simplicity, put others first, desire little. Drew? Yeah, the the visual that comes to my mind about staying in the center is when I was little in our elementary school and in our city park, we had a big merry-go-round. And we, that was one of the first things we'd run to whenever it was recess time, merry-go-round. Everybody loved merry-go-round. And I'd get on and, and stay a little close to the edge because I wanted to get off 
if I felt scared or overwhelmed or whatever. And at the edge, it was just so hard to hang on. That's the part that's going the fastest. And I was just having to hold on, hang on, get dizzy. And then one day I just went before it started, went straight to the very center of it, just stood on the center of it. And when I stood on the center and it went around and around, I was just there and just going. It was, it was so much slower in the center. And I was watching everybody else hang on and get dizzy and fall off. But but I remember standing in the center and I could take little steps and actually stay like in the same spot and everybody's just rotating around me. And that was just really calm place to be is just right in the middle of it away from the edges where everything's just chaotic that that was just the visual i got thank you drew that's a fantastic visual i wish i'd have thought of that one that's a good one anything else guys really good conversation today and what i want naturally decreases when i start staying in the center Brian? Yeah, I, I was, when Drew mentioned staying in the center, I was thinking about the, the quote that I've heard talking about staying in the center of the herd in recovery. And, uh, so that's what, that's what came to mind for me. Yeah, I've heard that said several ways. Yeah. Center of the herd. If you stay in the middle of the bed, you won't get, you won't fall off, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you, Brian. Lori. I I love that analogy of the merry-go-round. I can totally relate to that. That's awesome. I also loved someone said uh, creating space. And in my meditation this morning, that's what I realized was when I can quiet my thoughts down for even a moment it seems so impossible because then I'm thinking about not thinking but that's creating space that's creating space and the the emptiness that happens is scary and I'm like who's scared what's scary about that and that's the ego talking or whatever some other fearful part of me speaking up uh, I totally related to that creating space. And uh, from a totally practical level, I help seniors downsize and move. When I uh, quit my corporate job of travel, I ended up starting my business uh, helping seniors downsize, organize, move, sell their stuff. And boy, is that a gig. Woo. But that's what I was doing. I was thinking about it when I took a break a second ago and went to the restroom. I was creating space. By getting rid of things and dealing with people's attachments to things and by helping them sort through and focus on what's most important. And in their new place, like you get to do over, you get a do over and say, I'm going to create space in this new place and I don't need to take all that old stuff. And if the kids don't want it, it's okay. And that was a fabulous journey, but I keep thinking about that. Always gets worse before it gets better. You got to rip it all out of the closet and spread it out, sort it through, and then let it go. So I'm constantly in that space of sorting and 
letting go. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Lori. And that also speaks to that's the move to the center, right? Because as what what's the paradox of that? We suffer to get well. Getting well is moving to the center. Tina? Um, when we were talking about, oh, being kind. If you need to know who needs help, you only need to ask. Because it's, yeah, you're right, buddy. It's, there's people in need. I know there's been times I've been in need and I've wanted a stranger, like at the grocery store, I just wanted to get a hug from them, but I've never been like courageous enough to ask. I feel like I'm always that person walking around that needs a hug or needs a kind word. And so I need to think about other people like that. But I was thinking about, buddy, when you first started the meeting with that we're all one body and how the hand, we need everyone's help. The hand needs to feed us. And then we nourish the hand in turn. And I was thinking about the acts of kindness that create ripples when they pay it forward. Or when that woman is that you helped with the gas is relieved a little bit. And she has space in her heart to help the next person, or at least, you know what, it doesn't even matter. It's just, she's, that someone has relieved her of a worry. It's created space for her to love more. And I just see the ripples, you know, who knows how she's going to pay it forward and how they're going to pay it forward. And that's like our body, nourishing our body with something healthy because it just keeps going and it keeps creating more healthy, um, vital organs and all that stuff. But I really liked the way that you put that because if I can look at it also in terms of if I'm that person in traffic that is not driving considerately, which I've been, because we take 90, we take a interstate to and from everywhere we go. So we're hopping on with people that are trying to get through the state. (laughs) I can see how if I'm being negative, that will also ripple negative effect because the one guy gets mad and makes another lady mad and they go home and yell at the kids and kick the dog and the dog but the whole scenario of the ripples i like that analogy that you started with so thank you thanks tina i think that's about it guys anything else to add letting all things take their course isn't that the hardest part First thing I do when thing when I want to try to take control is I slap those rules back on, right? That's what I do to try to control. If I'm approaching something from a place of love, I'm letting it take its course, letting people have space. But if I'm not trying to control, I see myself doing those rules, morality, justice, holiness, wisdom, industry, profit. Some way I'm talking about someone about a business the other day and said, we need to watch this because someone will steal it from us. I'm like, no, let's not go there. That's industry and profit. See, that's fear. All those are fear-based. No, we're going to stay in the center of the circle with this thing. We're going to approach it from a place of love and consideration. Granted, we'll do everything we need to legally. I'm not above suing someone if I need to, but I'm not going to do any of that out of fear. That's a total different deal. Just because we're coming from a place of love and in the center doesn't mean that we put ourselves in a position to get run over. We don't do that. But we can approach any situation from a place of consideration or a place of fear with anything. Yeah, that's good. 
That's good. And if I do that, embrace simplicity, and if I put others first, I will desire less because that's what I'm getting back. See, it's a mirror. And the, and the more that I learn to live a love-based life, the more that's reflected back to me. And part of that is that I quit desiring those things that fear demanded me to do. Fear demanded me to do those things. It demanded me to look for ways in my thinking and my holiness that I was correct and just. My fear demanded that I look at morality and justice and prove that I am just and I am moral. Or that that my fear demanded that I seek a way to profit at all times and everything. But I can make that shift to being in the center and having more of a love-based existence, more of a compassion, kindness-based existence. And that's where the peace and joy is, right? Right there in the center. Good. Guys, you have a great week, and we will see you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.